Doth thou speaketh of a second question? Okay. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. This is Mike Lewis with the Fanalytics Podcast, joined by Tom Smith for another edition of Two Questions. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We do have the, we have to, I have to do the two questions. Thank you. That's my one contribution to this. Yes. Tom, <laughs> Tom wants to move this towards uh, radio voices and yeah. nicknames. Little yeah. snot knows Tommy Smith. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. Um, <laughs> Okay, so Tom, you wanna you wanna shoot first here? Actually, I do. I have a really I've got a I got a good question for you here, Mike. Um, what is your feeling about um, some old quarterbacks are trying to give uh, Burroughs some advice and telling him to quote unquote air quotes if you will pull an Eli Manning? And so, if you're not really familiar, I know you are. If you're not really familiar. Uh, Burroughs has was been it projected. the Chargers with Chargers with Manning. He was, that's right. Go to the Chargers. Okay. That's right. That's right. And they um, so so the idea here is that Burroughs, um, this quarterback from LSU, is projected to go number one, and I believe it's the Bengals. Are we yes. correct here? Yes, the Bengals. Bengals have the number one draft pick, and some which people is are, a, a tough issue, I think, because I. <laughs> Because I believe that Burroughs is locate uh, is is from o- the Ohio region, and so it's the idea of a you know an Ohio kid not wanting to come home and play for Cincinnati makes this sort of doubly kind of difficult on the Bengals. Now I haven't read I haven't read that he is opposed to going to the Bengals. I'm hearing that other quarterbacks are encouraging him to do the whole Eli Manning situation. So I guess the question is, do you support um, that kind of advice, or would you recommend that he does it, or do you, from a, maybe a league perspective, would you discourage it? If you're the NFL, would you discourage him trying to pull an Eli Manning? Oh yeah, as the NFL, absolutely, you have to discourage that, right? And so it's, uh, I think this is one of these kind of classic questions related to the incentives of the player versus the incentives of the league, right? Right. <clears throat> and in the in this case, the NFL loves the idea of. Uh, the downtrodden Bengals, you know, who've earned, let's say, the first pick in the draft, having the ability to improve their team. I mean, one of the things I actually wonder about, and this is <laughs> one of the things I wonder about, and this is a you know a little bit of an aside, is um, even drafting Burroughs is kind of an interesting question given the level of stardom he achieved in the last year, right? I mean, yeah. I-, I think you would have, um, you know, he w- he won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, but he was not regarded in the you know at, at the same level as Tua and um, uh, who's who's the, sorry um, the the Clemson quarterback the name sort of just escapes me for a moment um, Trevor Lawrence yeah I was gonna say Trevor <clears throat> Trevor Lawrence and and so you know the, it is always this kind of situation of one really dominant year of performance and I think historically that has been something that teams have often regretted, right? It kind of goes back to the old Parcells rules of having more consistency. Right. So, uh, you know, I think there's almost got to be a little bit of a, and again, people are probably jumping out, you know, jumping up at me, maybe a little bit of reluctance for the Bengals in terms of the, the analytics and, you know, how much of a one hit wonder he might be. And again, totally unfair given that he was solid before. Um, but but I think I come back to the notion of what is right for the player, right? I mean, and at this point, players view themselves as brands, and he probably views himself as a um, as a uh, an economic asset that may have twenty years to generate revenues, right? And so, if you are a twenty year 
an, an asset with that kind of time horizon, what is the right approach for managing what you're going to accomplish? And it's hard to say, you know, and again, this is one of these mysteries of the universe is like, why are there organizations that never seem to get it together? Yeah. yeah. What is the, you know, what is the, what happens sort of on the downside to in places like Cleveland or, or Cincinnati where you don't seem to produce the level of success that you would think that they would, well, you know, why doesn't the amateur draft work? Why when you bring in that top level talent to some organizations, it doesn't, it doesn't flower and blossom. Whereas right. with, at other organizations, you know, places like the Patriots and the Steelers, perhaps it seems like they can always find new talent that ends up being elite. So, so from that perspective, <laughs> I think you can definitely make a case that Burrow should look at this over the over the long haul and say, well, what is the right place to start? Right. right. What do you think? So I, I, I don't like the idea of, let's say, an individual player making moves early in their career and trying to subvert what the NFL has set up in terms of competitive uh, why, balance. Why should the NFL, why, why should a kid like Joe Burrow care about what the NFL has tried to say? Actually, he shouldn't. Like, that's, yeah. it's, not, it's not in his best interest. No. Okay. It, okay, now I'm, 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 I'm going to talk myself out of an idea that no, I no, had two don't, seconds please ago. Don't fight with uh, me. No, no, no. So here's the deal. It's, it, it isn't in his best interest exactly, but it's in, it's in every NFL's player for the league to be better. Right, and so this whole idea, this 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 league probably more than any else, any other league, is where people have the sort of the protect the shield. Like whatever is good for the NFL is good for the players in the NFL, and and by and large, I think that that's that's actually worked out really well. When you think about um, television oh, deals, I, oh, the okay. NFL. So is, so I'm a, I'm a little unaware of this system. I'm going to play devil's advocate here in terms of me being a player at uh, let's say the the Cincinnati Bengals that somehow when the other kid gets drafted to the New York Giants and the incremental money and stardom that they achieve from playing in that market do they write me a check they actually in some respects they do because the because the broadcasting revenue makes up anywhere from 25 to 35% of the total no, revenue. No, no, I'm saying I'm team. saying that when they have, they have this personal level of stardom. Right. Right. You you go out and you're an all-pro quarterback in New York versus being an all-pro quarterback in Cincinnati. Right. The the revenues that are going to flow to you in terms of ex, extracurricular opportunities are not the same. They absolutely are not so, the same. So so why should I be penalized as this uh, as this, you know, this star player be and end up in a market that actually diminishes my long-term earning potential. You shouldn't, but the league will thrive when you have more teams that are more competitive. I don't and, care. I don't care. Ah, uh, you do. I mean, no, as, a, I, as a player, what you want is you want the league to be as successful as possible. Most of the money comes from broadcast deals. The more competitive teams, the more that, you know, whatever is ABC or CBS, whatever else is paying, Fox is paying for these deals. And then that brings up rookie schedules. That brings up the total amount of what your, what your hard cap is. I mean, these, it's, these it's seem very kind of uh, theoretical arguments. Well, my, I mean, they're, I, I, they're, I'm, they're I'm, certainly not myopic. They're okay. certainly long, long run arguments, right? What's better for the league will ultimately ultimately circle back around to your pocket but to your point 
it you're going to take. A I feel like you're asking hit. me. I feel like you're asking me to ch- to trade uh, dollars for nickels with that argument. I, in some respects, I am. Like I, I am actually asking a, an individual player to think about the league rather than their own. Let's say their own personal fortune. But that's. I mean, that's a very. That's a very. Let's say uh, tilted perspective coming from. Let's say a business perspective. That is, sp- sport leagues are only. Are only helpful to players if the I, league know, itself works. Right? I'm also well, you know, I'm I'm unaware of the the idea that the NFL is actually. It sounds like you want to pretend that the NFL is giving me an equity stake in their operations. In some respects, they are. I mean, you don't own the team, but you. Uh, I mean, but you get paid based on what the broadcasting deal is, and the broadcasting deal goes up when the teams become more interesting to watch. I don't know. I mean, you're, you're not leave buying that? No, I'm not buying that. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, <laughs> maybe I convince you. Okay, every once in a while, the questions are, we're, you're going to fall on one. So your takeaway is, yes, the kid should pull an Eli Manning. Well, I mean, Mike, I, I think 100% that the NFL would like to discourage that. But I think when you drill down to the, the nitty-gritty in terms of an individual's career prospects, that you can really make a case for, let's say, pulling the Eli Manning. Right. And, you know, and I don't know, um, you know, and, <coughs> and I think you can look at it in a couple of ways, right? Looking at the, the coaching staff that might, uh, that might draft a player, looking at the external learning opportunities in a city. Um, but I, I, I understand that the players, you know, want to maximize their revenue and certain locations may be viewed as really kind of a problem in terms of starting a career. Just Fair? don't tell anybody, but I mostly agree with everything that you said. <laughs> okay, let me ask you a question here. Mike, and, yes. And I'm going to change it up from what we, um, from what I was thinking. You've Ooh. inspired me to go down the path of oh. the NFL. Oh, interesting. Okay. The NFL, the next big agenda item for the NFL in terms of its year-round programming is the NFL Combine. Ooh. What do you think about the NFL Combine? Valuable or not? To and let me whom? Who, who's who, who's my who's my stakeholder here? Okay, well, and I only put a thought. And, and maybe this isn't a question. Maybe this is a statement in the form of a question. <laughs> so the thought that occurred to me is: Does the NFL Combine provide information that tends to bias rather than inform general managers? You think about the structure of this, these workouts going down with TV cameras on, you know, ESPN has turned this into a big story. And suddenly now as a general manager, you are looking at a 40 yard draft time or the number of 225 bench press reps. And this suddenly these data points, there's going to be this tendency to overemphasize the value of these data points relative to a three or four year playing career. Yeah. Okay. I like this. So there's essentially, there's three outcomes that come from the combine and we normally only hear about two of the outcomes and the three outcomes that come is, so as you're an athlete, you show up Everybody thinks that you're going to run a 4-3 or whatever else, and then you end up running a 4-3, right? Everybody thinks you're going to run a 4-3, and you actually run like a 4-2, and everybody goes, whoa, that dude's mm-hmm. fast. Or you, everybody <coughs> thinks you're going to run a 4-3, and you run a 4-6, and everybody goes, man, he wasn't in shape. Like, why did he even show up? Mm-hmm. So we only hear or, about— oh, Or I, don't, I choose not to run. 
Well, that's right? the. You, I mean, I show up, but I choose not to run. Right. I, 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 I do some of these things. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. That's right. right. So. So typically we hear about, we never hear about like, oh, so-and-so is exactly where everybody thought he was. That's like not even hardly a story that you'd want to hear on the radio or, or TV or what have you. It's you hear about the, the some kid shows up and just burns through everybody. Everybody says, oh my gosh, this guy's in amazing shape. Like he benched so much more and his vertical is whatever and his yeah. horizontal and and then so and then there's the then there's a kid who just is totally not prepared and they end up looking like a sack of potatoes so i think that it might be good for the two or three athletes who are able to startle everybody and someone says i had no idea this dude was that fast or mm -hmm. i didn't know that that guy was that strong and then for the goofball who's like been doing nothing since, you know, December and just been eating like, you know, some fajitas or something, <coughs> right? He comes in and, and he's like, oh, by the way, I didn't work out. I don't think there's anything where fajitas. I mean, that's, you know, that's like, lean meat and that's <laughs> okay, okay, Doritos or <laughs> Doritos Cheetos. And Cheetos. Just, I was going with the Eatos, okay? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, he, so that guy is in trouble. And yeah. so I think that if you're likely to be that last guy, you don't even show up. It's the it's a really good um, opportunity for some okay. people to maybe jump up a, a, a draft so pick or two if they we don't can come in and yeah. go down this path. Uh -oh. I mean, usually we're talking econ theory okay. or, or marketing theory or um, you know analytics, and so this kind of going down the path of cognitive biases, which I think is where okay. where, where this goes. This idea of the, I mean, the story you wove there is really related to the idea that um, if there's some negative information, that that's really the key to the combine, right? Or some kind of exceptional positive. Okay, so some sort of exceptional positive, but very often maybe the biggest danger is this negative, like, oh, he didn't run well, right? Right. And so that one of the most well-known cognitive biases is the, the negativity bias, that is this idea oh that negative information is given much more heavy weight than similar positive information. I want to say this was either last year or the year before. I'm almost positive it was last year. But there was a quarterback who was doing some throwing drills, and it was reported that a lot of the, a lot of the receivers came back to this guy and said, dude, you don't have to put a 110 onto a pass that you could do with an 85 because you're making us look bad mm -hmm. because you're you're zipping these passes past us and so we're not able to catch the passes great you've got an amazing arm but throw me a pass i can catch and so then you get then the story was <coughs> wait doesn't this kid know that this is good for like if somebody catches his pass that makes him look good and it makes the receiver look good like everybody benefits from everybody sort of playing the game but somebody who wants to show off that he's got some kind of like crazy zippy arm makes a, shoots a bunch of passes that nobody can catch. So that so then it became a negative for the quarterback. Everybody said, well, one, he doesn't understand the the game here. Do I really want this guy on my team? Is he going to try to be a showboat or is he going to get us down the field? Super huge negative from what he thought was going to be a positive. Well, and I, that's a good example, right? Because in, in some ways, that's an incredibly minor story, right? Because in some ways, you could, you could spin that as the kid comes in all hyped up. He's got, you know, he, he, he's, he's, you know, 100 miles per hour, just starts throwing the ball, you know, with as much juice as he has. The, you know, the, the receivers kind of, you know, call him out on something, again, potentially really negative. 
And then it is spun into this, oh, this guy's not coachable. He's only, he's only in it for himself. And so suddenly this l- negative information means that he cannot be a leader on the team, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, that, so that piece of information is the, is the – and it's the, the ESPN or whoever is covering the combine. They're looking for that little nugget because that's what makes for an interesting broadcast – but what is like yeah. a little nugget, you know, an inch of like a discourse between the receiver and a quarterback becomes a hundred yards of problems for this quarterback. Yeah, I like it. It's like media media tendencies or media biases end up uh, magnifying the impact of a negativity bias. Right. And, and so I'm going to spin this a little bit more because I was I was talking to some students very recently about some different quarterback prospects. And some of my students were saying, look, you've got, okay, I want to say um, Tua, right? They're like, Tua's coming out. Are there teams that would absolutely not work with this quarterback? So, I mean, he's projected to go maybe in the first seven or first five. I think third is what I saw this morning. Right. And I know that the, some people are talking about the Dolphins like being really hot on this kid. And I think they're they're like fifth or something like this, mm-hmm. right? And so, but my students are saying, Look, you got this kid, um, and he actually might not fit into a lot of the systems in those first five or six picks. So then, all of a sudden, now it becomes, catch me if you will, the information that you're getting from the combine, and then you're like, how coachable is he? How well does he get along with other players? Do we think we can mold this guy? Is it So now it becomes a... You're trying to match a player with your system, and you're trying to grab a couple more pieces of information. I think for some elite players, you can figure out how to make them work. For people who are elite-ish or on the margin, you need to have that additional piece of information to really drive it home for you. So if you say, we have some doubts, we watch him in so the what combine. Are you, what are you saying, that the combine is... Actually might provide some good information on the margins. Economists like to say on the margin on a the lot, margin. so I, you know, so I've had to add that in there. Well, but that that that's um, that's interesting too in terms of how the combine has tended to work. Like I'm right. guessing, I'm guessing a, you know, in, a player like Tua is probably not going to throw at the combine, right? He's going to just restrict his workout to the Alabama pro day, and you know, in his in his environment. Um, right? Maybe yeah, yeah. He'll probably do some vertical leap. Maybe a running, <laughs> running uh, some running drills. Right? Take, take a wonder like test. Take a wonder like test. The question is: Have you? Do you think the wonder leg test is, it gives you any kind of information at all? Like, why are they still? Why are they still having this piece of information out there? Well, you know. So what we're talking about, and so now we're in the third question of the Ooh. day oh. is. Is uh, the Wonderlick test is this aptitude test that has been, uh, you know, I think I'll call this sort of a fun little NFL combine story forever, right? In terms of, oh, you know, some punter, you know, scores a perfect, you know, 50 on it one year, and then someone will get called out, right? And it'll be inevitably as a defensive tackle or a cornerback that scores in the in the single digits, two, right? <laughs> right. And, right. And so then the question becomes, well, what does this what does this have to do with anything? I'm actually I'm actually kind of a fan of these. Um, you know, given, given a lot of the like the research I do, I'm always a fan of more information. Yeah. And, and so 
I would love to be able to see that kind of stuff and actually figure out if it does have some predictive value. I mean, I, I think people would say, well, it's going to work for the quarterbacks. It's not going to work for the the defensive backs. I don't think there's enough data out there to actually sort of pull it apart. Yeah, I've never played around with it. I would actually want to, in some ways, you would almost want to expand it and do some more general personality testing and, you know, get it, let's say, things like the big five personality traits, Um you know, maybe the, um, you know, I forget what there was a quarterback a couple of years ago where they were talking, I forget, I'm, I'm butchering the story, so I probably shouldn't go down this path, but like that the person wasn't a football geek, you know, right? That they didn't eat, sleep and oh, breathe right, football. Right, right. And so is that kind of, let's say grit, determination or passion are, are you know, some of these things might matter. Some of these things might not matter. Who knows? Yeah, I'm not sure. I I agree with you. I love more information rather than less information. So I don't know if there's any power to the Wonderlick. Again, it it all comes down to sort of how you're using it and when you're using that piece of information and if it tilts you one direction or the other direction. And so what I have heard from players and what I have heard from some coaches, although it's both the players and all the coaches are off the record, so I'm not going to tell you who the players were, or who the coaches were, <coughs> right? But before the draft, so at the like so at the combine or at other places, players will sit in front of coaches. Coaches will um, drill them on information, right? Mm-hmm. And so maybe you know the story comes out that you were catfished. And so then the, the then the coach is like, wait, how did you not know? Are you wait, like, wh- what do you know about this? I mean, are you really that much of a goofball? Because they're trying to identify: Do you have enough smarts? Are you gonna? I mean, are you quick enough to pick up on our system? Are you quick enough to like call an audible at the line? Do you know how to read a defense? So if you can't even read an email, can you read a defense? Right. And so what I've heard is that coaches will get players into a room and do interviews. And those interviews can get a little bit hot and testy because they're trying to push a little bit of an additional piece of information out of a player so that they can get a sense about whether or not the person is coachable or whether they do have a good football mind. I don't know if you've heard these stories or not, well, but I mean, I've had a couple I, of players I, it's tell like me. A, it's like I don't even need to hear these stories because it, it, it it's sort of more of a general – it's a general issue in, let's call it, human resource analytics or people analytics, oh, sure. right? Okay. Because, you know, the, the idea of personality testing or IQ testing, right, is you're trying to measure some traits, call it intelligence, call it character, call it whatever, call it grit, whatever you, you want, right? Any kind of measurement via psychometric testing is going to be kind of imperfect. And so it's, I always think of this as, I bet you that if like if you're trying to do this via testing to understand let's say the the real human trait you know not to uh well that you know maybe those those tests are explaining let, let's say a third of the variability so I can test you via paper and pencil and learn a third about you okay right. so two thirds of you is still of a mystery and I think that's why people reject the idea of using these kind of tests now on the other side of it when you say oh well i'm gonna sit down and look at this guy in the eyeball yeah i (coughs) i i do think that that's going to give you a fuller view of the person so maybe they're going to have a better understanding of you holistically but it's this trade-off right so suddenly now this coach is coming to this interview 
And just even that statement of, I'm going to look you in the eyeball and assess your character. Right. Well, every one of that coach's biases and his experiences. Right, right. And so it's this trade-off between the precision of the test that's not explaining a lot of the data versus this more holistic view, but now my biases are right out there. Oh, your bi- okay. yeah, your, your biases are going to be front and center. And yeah. so, I mean, it's... it's and, I, and here's the thing is a lot of this is like secondhand or you hear from a coach or whatever else, but it would, it would be, I think, really consistent for, uh, I've heard some coaches say, oh, you know, I, I, love, um, I love kids who come out of Pennsylvania. You know, they're grounded and they get grit and they're tough or whatever else. So every kid who comes out of Pennsylvania ends up being a really great defensive back or something like this. Or you have other coaches, I've heard them say, you know what, I like drafting kids out of the Midwest. They've got, a, you know, just sort of mm-hmm. a solid head on their shoulders. They're really you know, middle of the road people, salt of the earth kind of thing. And so those are the biases that play into it, right? The coach may be from Michigan yeah, and, or the coach and, and knows. And just to be clear, the way we're using the bias here is nothing is, it's really not a negative. It's just a, it's just a cognitive, it's just a tendency, right? Right, so exactly. This, you know, I, um, I, I keep drafting kids out of Ohio State because I've had good experience with that program. And so it becomes this heuristic or the shortcut to get there. Okay. Exactly, right? And so... Yeah, I think that I think all these tests maybe just provide different pieces of information and maybe you can sort of shortcut some of the biases that would exist if you didn't have these these combines or the Wonderlick test or whatever else. So maybe it's just more information is better and you're likely to get I don't know better outcomes in the long run. Like over a larger sample, you're well, li- better likely to get better outcomes. I'm looking at the clock and sort of let me cut this one short. I'll take a I'll, I'll take the last word on this oh, one. Okay, go ahead, Mike. More information is better until you find a person that's using it incorrectly and then suddenly it's worse. Wow. (laughs) Couldn't have said it better. No, I mean, so it is, it is that, you know, more information is better when the analyst is nuanced and sophisticated and knows what they're doing. Otherwise, you can quickly get into danger territory, which in this realm of the exploding demand for data scientists is something that every decision maker should be very afraid of. Wow. Nicely said. Hey, thanks, Tom. Thank you, Mike.